This is EIX 1 in English. EIX stands for Evangelion Jesu Christe. That is Greek for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a 15-minute explanation of apostolic Catholicism for non-Christian seekers or Christian beginners in all languages. EIX 1 is in English. God exists. His very essence is to exist. God is the supreme being above all creatures, self-existing, infinitely perfect, who made all things and keeps them in existence. God is eternal, all-good, all-knowing, all-present, almighty, all-wise, all-holy, all-merciful, and all-just. Holy Scripture declares that there is only one God. God has revealed that in one God, there are three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From eternity, the Father begets the Son, the Son proceeds from the Father, and both the Father and the Son breathe forth the Holy Spirit who proceeds from them. Unlike God, man is a creature made by God. Man is composed of body and soul and made to the image and likeness of God. God formed the body of man from the slime of the earth, but he breathed the soul into man's body. In this way, the soul comes directly from God and indicates a close likeness to him. Man's likeness to God is chiefly in the soul. Coming from God, man's soul is an immortal spirit with understanding and free will. God created man to know him, love him, and serve him in this world, and be happy with him forever in heaven. The first man and woman were Adam and Eve, the first parents of the whole human race. God created Adam and Eve in the state of innocence and holiness. This made them pleasing to God and full of love for him. It made them children of God and therefore heirs of heaven. This state of innocence is called sanctifying grace. God gave Adam and Eve the commandment not to eat of the fruit of a certain tree that grew in the garden of paradise. In this way, by obedience, God wanted Adam as head and representative of the human race to merit heaven by his obedience out of love for God. If Adam and Eve had been faithful to God, they would have passed without disease and without bodily death from their earthly paradise to heaven, God's home, where they would see him face to face. Adam and Eve did not obey God, but out of pride, disobedience, and ingratitude, they ate of the forbidden fruit, thereby defying God and despising his threats. They wanted to be as powerful and as great as God. On account of their sin, Adam and Eve lost sanctifying grace, the right to heaven, the right to see God, and their special gifts. They became subject to death, to suffering, and to a strong inclination to evil, and were driven from the garden of paradise. On account of the sin of Adam, we, his descendants, come into the world deprived of sanctifying grace and inherit his punishment as we would have inherited his gifts had he been obedient to God. This sin in us is called original sin because it comes down to us from our origin, from Adam. Because of original sin, heaven was closed to all men until the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Our Lord instituted the sacrament of baptism in order to restore to us the right to heaven that Adam had lost. The chief punishments of Adam that we inherit through original sin are disease and death, suffering, ignorance, and a strong inclination to evil, where our reason is in perpetual conflict with our passions. Even after we are cleansed from original sin by baptism, the corruption of our nature and other punishments such as sickness and evil inclination remain. This is called concupiscence. God is not unjust in punishing us on account of the sin of Adam because original sin does not take away from us anything to which we had a strict right as human beings, but only the free gifts that God, in his goodness, would have bestowed on us if Adam had not sinned. God granted the Virgin Mary the grace of being the Immaculate Conception. This unique privilege was given in view of the merits of her divine Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. From the very first moment of her conception, the Blessed Virgin was preserved from all stain of original sin. For this reason, Mary calls God her Savior. Indeed, Eve committed sin and lost her spotlessness, but our Mother Mary kept herself pure and spotless to the end of her life. God did not abandon man after Adam fell into sin, but promised to send into the world a Savior to free man from his sins and to reopen to him the gates of heaven. The Savior of all men is Jesus Christ. Men would know the Savior or Messiah by certain signs which God revealed through the prophets, to whom was revealed the Messiah's advent, his person, and his sufferings. All the 300-plus prophecies of the Old Testament about the Messiah were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the Redeemer, the Savior that God in His mercy had promised. The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is God-made man. Christ Himself said that He is God. The Jews condemned Christ to death for blasphemy for making Himself the Son of God. Christ proved His claims by wonderful miracles, by His knowledge of all things, and by the holiness of His life. These miracles Christ worked in his own name and not as his followers did who worked in the name of God. The apostles, the followers of Christ himself, plainly taught that Christ is God and died in testimony of their faith. The Catholic Church teaches that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is our Lord, the Son of God, and the second person of the Trinity, he is one person with two natures, divine and human. Because of his divine nature, Christ is truly God. Because of his human nature, he is truly man. In his divine nature, he is the second person of the Blessed Trinity, God the Son, the Eternal Word. He took his human nature from his mother. The two natures were united, but remained distinct, with neither being absorbed in the other. This union is called the hypostatic union. The Son of God, eternal, almighty, and infinite, voluntarily took upon himself human nature with its weaknesses. This is called the Incarnation. By virtue of the Incarnation, Jesus Christ came to earth. The Son of God was conceived and made man by the power of the Holy Spirit in the womb of the sinless, blessed Virgin Mary. Jesus Christ had a human mother, but no human father. The blessed Virgin Mary remained a virgin all her life. The life of Jesus Christ may be divided into three parts. His childhood until the time he was 12 years old, 
his hidden life from age 12 until the time when he started his teaching at the age of 30, and three years of his public life to the time of his death by crucifixion at age 33. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus was betrayed to the Jewish leaders by one of his own disciples. He was cruelly treated by the Jewish priests and Pharisees who hated him and rejected him as the promised Messiah. The Jews turned Jesus over to the Romans and convinced their leader, Pontius Pilate, to put him to death. Jesus was tortured by the Roman soldiers and he was nailed to a cross and crucified in a horribly painful death. Jesus died on Good Friday, the day of Passover, on a hill called Calvary outside the city of Jerusalem. After his death, Jesus' body was taken down from the cross and laid in a tomb that was sealed with a great stone. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer of the whole human race. Jesus offered his sufferings and death to God as a fitting sacrifice for the sins of men and regained for them the right to be children of God and heirs of heaven. A redeemer is one who pays in order to retrieve something lost. He gives satisfaction or compensation for an offense or injury done to another. No creature could of himself make satisfaction for sin. Sin offends an infinite God and therefore it would need an infinite satisfaction. Therefore, someone infinite, Jesus Christ, as true God and true man, had to offer that satisfaction. Christ died for all men without exception. Not all men are saved, however, because not all accept the graces or benefits that Christ merited for us by his death. Jesus Christ rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, the third day after his death. Jesus arose bodily from the dead as the victor over sin and death to become the infinite source of God's mercy and justice for us. Jesus foretold his resurrection, and his enemies knew that he had predicted that he would rise again from the dead. Jesus' resurrection was the work of the Blessed Trinity, including himself as the second person of the Trinity. Jesus' resurrection is an undoubted fact on which rests the entire Christian faith. Jesus really died at the hands of the Romans. He was really buried, and he really came to life, arose from the dead, and appeared to many witnesses. Jesus' resurrection shows that he is true God and teaches us that we too will rise from the dead. Jesus remained on earth for the next 40 days, appearing to many and teaching the disciples until he was taken up to heaven, body and soul, to be with his heavenly Father. Jesus ascended into heaven to enter into the glory he had merited, to send down the Holy Spirit on his church, to be our intercessor with the Father, and to prepare a place for us in heaven. On the last day, Jesus will come again from heaven to judge the living and the dead and to pronounce a sentence of eternal reward in heaven or of eternal punishment in hell on everyone who has ever lived in this world. After teaching publicly what he required all to believe in practice, thereby announcing the main doctrines of his church, Jesus gathered a number of disciples. From them he chose twelve to whom he gave special instruction and training. He sent them to all nations, promising salvation to those who would believe and threatening condemnation to those refusing to believe. He gave the men authority and extraordinary powers, particularly the twelve special men, the apostles. Jesus gave them his own authority in his name to sanctify, make holy, to forgive sins, and to rule. 
They also had the power to offer sacrifice when, at the Last Supper, after instituting the Eucharist, he told them, Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus Christ died for all mankind. He established the one, holy, visible, spiritual, and hierarchical Catholic Church as the true religion to bring all men to eternal salvation. He gave the Catholic Church the authority to teach, govern, sanctify, and save all men. Jesus promises that the gates of hell will never prevail against his church. The Catholic Church is the mystical body of Christ on earth and the necessary means of salvation for all mankind. Jesus gave the church for the benefit of all, not just a few. Outside the church, there is no salvation. Since God commanded all to be members of his church, those who deliberately disobey his command will not be saved. Whoever, through his own fault, remains outside the church will be lost eternally. Some, however, who did not know of the church through the centuries may have been saved through an implicit desire for baptism. God gives to everyone he creates sufficient help from heaven to save his soul through the merits of Jesus' death and resurrection. But this help is a gift that no one is obliged to take. If we do not save our soul, it is because we have resisted the divine help given to us and continue to follow our sinful desires instead of God's will. This is a grave insult to God. If we will not receive God's infinite mercy through Jesus, then at the moment of death we will receive God's infinite and eternal justice through him. A person accepts God's gift of salvation when he does four things. Number one, believes the gospel message. This is the gospel message in Jesus Christ, the Son of God made man, who atoned for our sins by dying on the cross, who rose from the dead for our salvation, and who will come again to judge the living and the dead. Salvation is offered to all mankind as a gift of God's grace and mercy. Number two, repents of his sins. Number three, is baptized for the remission of his sins. And number four, follows Christ as a disciple, confessing his or her sins to a priest when falling again into sin. It all starts with a humble and contrite prayer to the Lord of heaven and earth, who is our creator, redeemer, and judge. In this prayer, we should acknowledge our sins, sincerely regret our offenses against the all-holy, all-merciful, all-just God, place our trust in Jesus' voluntary sacrifice for our sins to satisfy God's justice, and place our hope in God's infinite mercy to spare us for Jesus' sake. A simple prayer might be something like this. My God, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love you. I ask pardon for my sins. I also ask your constant help to serve you faithfully from now on. Amen.